Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, the grass dies and the flower falls, but the word of our God will live forever. My wife was at the uh, Beth Moore conference, and, and so um, uh, Friday night, uh, Cade and I, my youngest son, we were kind of, you know, alone in the house. My middle daughter had spent the night at a friend's house, and uh, yesterday he said, hey, before mom comes home, why don't we go, you know, get her some flowers, you know, and we'll surprise mom. And so we drove kind of out in the country a little bit with some snips and found some flowers, and we were cutting them all off, and they're really beautiful. And Boy, in Isaiah, he gives us a, a beautiful picture, doesn't he? There's going to come a moment when those flowers are going to fade. They're just going to fall off and they're going to die. The grass, as green as it might be one day, wow. You know, you go up into the hills now and wow, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Then the summer comes and they just turn ugly. But God says, my word, it'll like that. It'll last forever. Psalms 33 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Psalms 119 says, I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Beloved, the words of Scripture are God's words, and because God doesn't change, they don't change which means you can build your life on them. Just as your father could build his life on them and your grandfather could build his life on them and so on and so forth. Because they don't change, you can build your life on them. They're good for every generation. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven? He says, everyone who hears my words and obeys them as like a wise man who built his house on rock. It rained hard, the floods came and the winds blew and hit that house, but it did not fall because it was built on God's unchanging word. Now, beloved, Jesus wouldn't have said this if God could change. Because how could you build your life on his word if somewhere down the road, it changed. But the reason Jesus could say, listen, you build your life on this, wow, yeah, life will come, you know, the, the rains are gonna come and the wind's gonna blow and the stuff's gonna happen, but wow, your life will stay standing because you built it on his unchanging word. Imagine if you were playing in a baseball game and it's the bottom of the ninth inning and your team is winning by one run, you know, you're three outs away from, from winning the game and your pitcher strikes out the first two batters. You're one out away from winning the game. And all of a sudden the umpire steps out from behind the plate and says, hey, hold on. I'm going to change the rules. I'm going to give them five more outs. All of a sudden, because the rules changed, you now have chaos. You see, what, what makes a game a game and what makes it kind of what it is is that there are rules that don't change. Because once the rules change, 
It ain't a game anymore. It's just, it's just chaos is what it, what it is. And the same thing is true in life. God has established some rules, some laws, some principles, commands in his word that don't change because if they did, wow, we'd just have chaos, wouldn't we? Unbelievable chaos. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, all scripture, God's word, is inspired by God. And because God never changes, the scriptures are useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Because God's word never changes, it, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word, because it never changes, to prepare and equip us to do every good work. Beloved, if, if God could change, this passage would be pointless. Absolutely pointless. But because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change. And let, let me expose one of Satan's great tricks. Okay, what was the, the first thing Satan said to Eve? Remember that? Well, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, 1, did God really say that you must not eat, you know, fruit from the tree in the garden? Remember that? Beloved, this is one of Satan's great strategies, is getting Eve to question God. And Satan still does that today, all the time. But he's added a new twist to this strategy. He now has people saying, well, that's your interpretation. I hear that all the time. Oh, Sam, that, that's, your, that's your interpretation. And the reason Satan had to go or, or morph into this strategy was because much of God's word is black and white, isn't it? So instead of saying, did God really say you can't have sex outside of marriage? That's pretty black and white. The word of God wasn't written to trick anybody. God says you can't have sex outside of marriage. So Satan comes along and says, well, well did God you know, really say it? He now has people saying, well, that's your interpretation. Did, you know, did God really say, you know, that Jesus was the only way to heaven? Well, that's pretty black and white, and so Satan had to morph it. Well, that's your interpretation, Sam. That, that, that's what you think. Listen, when you're driving down the road and you see a stop sign, how many ways is there to interpret that? <laughs> Does anybody ever go, hey, what are you doing? I'm, well, I'm stopping. Well... That's, that's your interpretation. <laughs> Just keep going. No, a stop sign means stop. There's only one way to interpret it. If God says don't have sex outside of marriage, only one way to interpret it. If God says Jesus is the only way, there's only one way to interpret it. Beloved, there, there are some absolutes in life. There are some things that will always be right, and there are some things that will always be wrong. And because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change, which means every generation can build their lives on his word. Every generation. And so, Dad, you can teach this to your kids. 
Grandpas, you can teach this to your, your grandkids. Someday my son Cade will be able to teach this to my grandkids. Because God doesn't change. Look, you, you, you got to build your life on something, right? So why don't you build it on something that's stable, something that's permanent, something that's unchangeable. I see, man, so many people that build their lives on, you know, the current fad or the, the current therapy or the current thing or whatever's in vogue or whatever, and it just breaks my heart. Because whatever the current thing is today, you know, in five years, it'll be something new. And you see people running around, changing and building their life on this, and then they're building it on this, and then, and you just go, why don't you build your life on something that'll never change? And the sad thing is, is I think there are a lot of people who name the name of Jesus Christ, who instead of building their life on this, saying, I'm going to obey what this book says, I'm going to do what this book says, you see them even chasing after things. Psalm 18 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. Now it doesn't say that the word of the Lord is easy because there is much in the word of God that isn't easy. There are some things that God calls us to that, um, Man, they're, they're hard. They're, they seem unreasonable. I don't like the idea that God says I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. But that's the way of Christ. The one thing we know is that this is God's word and never changes and it's absolutely flawless. It's not easy at times to follow God and his word. You know, we're, we're called to be the proverbial salmon that's swimming upstream and that ain't easy at times. But it is perfect and it is flawless. And doesn't that give your life great stability, Christian? To know, wow, look, this is it, man. I got it. I'm going to build my life on it. I don't have to understand everything, and I may not like it all, but, man, I can build my life on this. I can teach this to my kids. I can teach it to my grandkids. I can teach it to my neighbors. I can teach it to whoever. N number two, and I want to get a little bit more specific. Because God never changes, God's love for you never changes. Which means, if you know the Lord, you don't have to be afraid of him. Because God never changes, his love for you never changes. That's something you can build your life on. You, you don't have to be afraid of him anymore. Now, the, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, and from far away the Lord appeared to his people and said, I, I love you people with a love that lasts forever. Lamentations 3 says, I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They're new every morning, every time that big red ball comes up in the morning. You don't have to worry when you went to bed last night. Oh man, when I wake up, is God going to love me? God doesn't change. 
So when you go to bed at night, you never have to sweat it. Oh, man, I wonder if God's going to love me in the morning. I wonder if he'll love me. And you know, a lot of people go to bed like that. A lot of people who know the Lord go to bed like that. And they wonder, does God really love me today? And the answer is yes. Because he doesn't change. He loves you. I want you to know, this is something that I, I, I've got to remind myself of all the time. God loves me. I'm actually an object of God's love. <laughs> now, for some of you, you're going, really? You, countrymen? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you. I know. I know me too. I know some of the things that run through my mind at times. I know some of the things that come out of my mouth at times. Sometimes I don't love the way I should. Sometimes I don't have a, the fruit of the Spirit coming from my life. <laughs> and God says, Rick, I don't love you because you do everything right. I don't love you because you always think all the right stuff. I just love you. I just love you. And the reason why that's hard for me is I've had some people in my life who told me they loved me. And then they changed. And then they told me they didn't love me anymore. I was thinking back to my, my senior year in high school. There was a girl I loved. I loved her. Didn't know much about love back then, but whatever I did know about her, but love, I, I loved her. And she loved me. She told me she loved me. We thought about getting married someday. We thought about our children, what we'd name them. And then she changed. And she told me she didn't love me anymore. What? In fact, there was a moment when she told me she didn't like me anymore. And then she started loving somebody else. Some of you, you walked down the center aisle of a church and you had on a beautiful white dress. Some of you had on the tuxedo, right? And you made vows to each other in front of people and God and you were in love. And you were sure it was going to last forever. And then your spouse changed. And your spouse told you they didn't love you anymore. So this idea that God loves you no matter what, wow, at some, that, that can be a hard thing to kind of wrap your brain around because you've never experienced it in your life. Or maybe you've been together with your spouse for 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years, but you've seen a lot of people around you who've changed in terms of their love for each other, right? And so this idea, this truth uh, that God doesn't change, and because he doesn't change, his love doesn't change, is something i got to remind myself of all the time. Maybe you do too. But not only did God say that he loved us, 
You know, there's an old saying that says, talk is cheap. But the Bible says that God actually showed us that he loved us. The, the Bible says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still yet sinners. That's a weighty statement. Beloved, God loved you even though you hated him. He loved you even though you wanted nothing to do with him. He loved you even though you were against him. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not work with me is working against me. Beloved, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you even though you were against him. Look, I didn't come to faith in Christ until after I got out of high school. I would have never have thought of myself as against God. I didn't wake up in the morning and go, hey, I'm against Jesus. I'm gonna do all I have to do today to be against him. Thwart his plans. Never thought that. I wasn't hostile to the things of God. I didn't care if somebody went to church. Good for them. That was, you know. But it doesn't matter what I thought or what I felt. The truth was, the reality was, was that I was against him. And even though I was against him, God says, I love you anyway. And I'm going to send my son to prove it. You see, there wasn't anybody who was for God. Paul, the great apostle, was, was a, 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 you know, somebody who just you know, murdered people. And God sent Jesus Christ for him. I don't think there's anybody in here who's murdering people. Maybe there are, but it doesn't matter. In fact, listen to what Paul said in Romans 8. He said, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate Rick Countryman from the love of God that was revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. You mean even when I don't love the way I, nothing. Even when I've got crummy thoughts around you, nothing. Even when I, I don't sing, nothing. There's nothing, Rick. Nothing. Wow. Listen, when you go to bed tonight, Christian, you don't have to worry about getting up in the morning and finding out God has changed his mind about you while you were sleeping. Because there isn't anything, nothing, that can separate you from God's love. Now there are, are days when, you know, we don't love people. You know, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, cranky or whatever, we're frustrated with the, you know, the, the things haven't gone maybe our way or whatever, and we struggle to love at times. But God never has a bad day He's never moody, he's never cranky, he never gets up on the wrong side of bed, he never changes, and because he never changes, his love for you never changes, never. God made sure we understood this by filling 
The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, it says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. And then there's this great statement, for God is love. He is. And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, because God loves you, you don't have to be afraid of him. In John chapter 11, we're told the story of a man that had gotten sick and died, and it says in verse 1 that this man's name was Lazarus, and he was sick, and he lived in the town of Bethany, where Mary and her sister Martha lived. Mary was the, the woman who later put perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary's brother was Lazarus. This was the man who was now sick. So Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, and this is what they wanted Jesus to know. Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. They knew it. I don't know if it was because Jesus said, hey, guys, I want you to know, man, I just love you. I love you guys. I don't know if it was because he gave out hugs whenever he showed up at the house and you could just sense the love. I don't know what it was, but they knew that Jesus loved their brother. They knew it. And I want you to know I know it. I know that God loves me. I know it. Do you know it? Do you really get it? He doesn't love you because you put an offering in that basket that just went by. He didn't love you anymore. He, he, he doesn't love you anymore because you went to love Modesto and did something. He doesn't love you any less because you sat home and watched, I don't know, reruns of you know, the Flintstones. He, he doesn't love like that. He just loves. And because he loves you, you don't have to be afraid of him. Well, the story goes on, and this man that Jesus loved actually dies. And in verse 11, we read this. Jesus said, our friend, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus calls him friend. Friend. Did he, Christian, do you ever think of Jesus like he's your friend? Our friend. He loved Lazarus and called him his friend, and the same thing is true for you because God's love, because God loves you, you don't need to be afraid of him. Jesus said in Matthew 15, this is my command, love each other just as I have loved you. The great the greatest love a person can show, Jesus said, is to die for his friends. And of course, Jesus does that, doesn't he? Look, number one, because God never changes, God's word never changes, which means you can build your life on it. Number two, because God never changes, God's love for you never changes, which means you don't have to be afraid of him. And number three, we're going to bore down a little bit on this. Because God never changes, God's plan to save you never changes. And because his plan to save you never changes, that means you can know that you're saved. You can know it. 
Jesus said in, Matthew, or in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Listen, forgiveness always begins with Jesus, always. For the past 2,000 years, there's only been one way to have a relationship with God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways to get to the Father. He said, I'm it. I'm the way. Now, I think there's lots of ways that people come to Jesus. We have children in our, in our children's department who come to Jesus, and they're just very young. I, I used to take kids to camp, and at a camp experience, the camp speaker would speak, and they would come to Jesus at camp. Uh, being out at the, at the Vine House, wow, the stories that Sam was telling me about people who, you know, were on dope and on drugs, and, and man, the devil was just doing what the Bible says, killing them and destroying them and messing them up, and guess what? They came to Jesus. They were at the bottom of the barrel. No, no they weren't. You had to pick the barrel up, and they were under the barrel. But they looked up, and they came to Jesus. I think there's lots of ways to come to Jesus, but there's only one way you get to the Father, and that's through Jesus. That's it. And because God never changes, his plan to save you never changes, which means you can know. I mean, if the plan to save you changed, how could you know? How would you know? Now let me lay this out for you just quickly. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord forgives people for evil, for sin, and for turning against him. But, but the Lord doesn't forget to punish guilty people. And the question you gotta ask yourself is this, is who are these guilty people that God's gonna punish? Because God doesn't change. He does forgive and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, but man, he, he is going to punish guilty people. Look, the last thing you want to have happen to you is to be punished by God, right? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. In other words, we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. Proverbs chapter 20 says, who can say I've kept my heart pure and, my, and I'm clean and without sin? And the answer is nobody. We've all sinned. All of us. We're all messed up. All of us have ruined this beautiful relationship that God wanted to have with us because of our sin. And because of that, we're going to be punished. Because of our sin, the wrath of God is on us. Yes, he loves you, and he demonstrated that love at the cross. But make no mistake about it. Our sin had a cataclysmic impact on our lives. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Beloved, this is the bad news. As that punishment awaits us. Your sin has messed up everything between you and God, but, but there is good news. 
Jesus said this in John chapter 3. He said, for God so loved the world, so loved you, me, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him wouldn't perish, wouldn't be punished, but that they would actually have eternal life. That's good news. Because I'll tell you, I don't want to be punished by God. I don't, like, I don't want to be punished by anybody. <laughs> but certainly I don't want God's punishment hanging over my head. And you know what? God doesn't want his punishment hanging over your head. Because he loves you. He loved you so much, he sent the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ, to come. And live an amazing life for you. He lived an incredible life. And then he dies a horrific death. And in three weeks, we're going to celebrate the fact that he walked out of a tomb. And he says, hey, listen. I conquered death because I'm God. And if you'd put your trust in me, guess what? Death will have no sting in your life either. None. Jesus, the, the, the Lord fills John, and in 1 John chapter 5, we read this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son doesn't have the life. Uh, that's your interpretation. Could it be any clearer? The Bible wasn't written to trick anybody. We've got a sin problem. And God's love is so amazing. He sends his son here to die for you. That anybody who would put their trust in him, who would invite Jesus into their lives, their sins would be forgiven. And the relationship between you and the Father could be reestablished. That you would spend your eternity with him forever. God's plan to save you hasn't changed. And because of that, you can know that you have eternal life. Other religions are based on you doing good things to earn God's love or God's acceptance or God's forgiveness. But the Christian life is not based on doing. It's based on what's already been done. All you have to do is simply believe. You put your trust in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at the cross. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Jesus said, God so loved the world, he gave his son. You believe in him, you got eternal life. John said, this is the testimony. You got the son, you got the life. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, they're all saying the same thing. Now, because God doesn't change, which 
means it doesn't change how you're saved. You can know for sure that you are saved. Listen to why John wrote 1 John. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. God wants you to be able to walk out of here knowing without a shadow of a doubt that your sins have been forgiven. And if God could change and you could never know, maybe, I don't know, God wakes up and goes, you know, that Jesus thing, eh, I changed my mind. Now you have to do a lot of good things. Oh, I'm going to add that to it. And then maybe he wakes up a week from now and says, ah, nah, change my mind. This is how you're going to be saved this week. You couldn't know that you were saved if God could change. But God wants you to know. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you can walk out of here building your life on this because his word never changes. You can walk out of here knowing that God loves you, which means you don't have to be afraid of him. And you can walk out of here knowing that you're saved. That if you took your last breath here on planet Earth, your next breath would be with, with God in glory. You can know that. Last night, there were a whole lot of people in here who didn't know that. And I gave them a chance to receive Jesus Christ. Just do what the Bible says. And a whole lot of people last night gave their life to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you that chance right now. In fact, I want everybody just to bow their heads for just a moment. I know in a place like this, the majority of us know the Lord. We know we're going to heaven. We know it. But all of us who know that, there was a moment in our lives when, when we didn't know it and we had to give our life to Jesus Christ. There comes a moment when God opens your eyes and I believe that some of you right now, God opened your eyes. It wasn't me, it was God's Holy Spirit coming upon you, revealing to you that the Word of God is God's Word, it's truth, revealing to you how much you're loved by Him and revealing to you how you can be saved. And so I want to lead that one person, those two people, those 10 people, however many it is right now in a prayer. And this prayer isn't found in the Bible. You just need to mean it because God sees in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I understand. I get it. My sins have separated me from you. Punishment is due me. but you loved me and you sent Jesus Christ to die for me. And right now I receive Jesus Christ into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Cleanse me of my sin. Restore my relationship with God. I wanna know that I'm saved. I want to know that my sins have been forgiven. 